0: Right, we are here today with Pete Johnson, a practically a mortgage celebrity here in Johnson County, right. one of the highest volume mortgage lenders. Don't be shy. <laughs> yeah, I don't know right? Uh, really proud. Yeah. He's he's got it going on, doesn't
1: he? Yeah. Oh yeah.
0: Okay. So we asked Pete to come onto our mm-hmm. podcast here today because we wanted to talk about an interesting topic. We're talking mm-hmm. about high performers and the fact that success leaves clues. Mm -hmm. So Pete, you are exposed to hordes of us realtors. Day in and day out, (laughs) we're all up in your business. You can't get away from us. (laughs) You get to see the best to the worst. So I am really curious if you have noticed anything, any um, traits that agents who seem to be high performers or are well on their way to Mm -hmm. becoming high performers, what do they do?
2: yeah I think uh you know like the the biggest thing i you know I think is is people that treat it like a business. so you kind of you kind of get um kind of two categories of realtors, so you got ones that are are kind of like really engaged and treat it like a business and have the processes in place, you know uh, to run it like a business and then you have Other people where it's almost like a hobby, right? Like, so they're not quite as responsive. They're, um, you know, they've they've got other things going on in their life, which everybody does. I mean, everybody's like super busy. They've got their kids and their family to deal with. But the ones that kind of really engage in it and treat it like a business are the ones that I I think really do the best or struggle the least, I should say. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, you know, responsiveness is probably the biggest thing. You know, those that kind of get back to their clients um, that are kind of on top of it. Um, are are the ones that kind of do a little bit better than some of the other ones where, you know, there's a delay. And and in this environment now, you know, it's same, same for us as lenders. It's, it's, You know, it's what can you do for me this second? You know, it used Mm -hmm. to be that you had, you know, you know, a couple business days to respond. Like the, you know, the the etiquette they used to say you have 24 hours was like business etiquette. It used to be like 48, I think, when I got in. (laughs) And now it's like five minutes. You know. (laughs) There's Um, no forty eight hours. There's no forty-eight hours. It's five minutes or they're moving on, right? And that's just kind of the speed at which people move. Everybody's online now, everybody's using, you know, cell phones and text messages. And so, you know, the people that can adapt to that, you really gotta be on the ball. You really gotta treat it like a profession. Okay. Um, as opposed to a hobby. You know, mm-hmm. it's just hard to it's hard to run this thing as a hobby. I, I like that. Yeah. yeah. Profession yeah. over a hobby. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Do you feel like there's a difference between the way full-time agents and part-time agents treat it?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and it's kind of in the distractions. You know, it's it's I always say, um, You know, having at bats. You know, when I talk to like younger like loan officers that are kind of coming in, it's you know you want you want to be in a position where you have at bats. The more at bats you have, the better off you are. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's not that you're not trying or that you're a bad person or you know a bad you know professional if you don't. But you, you know, the fewer at bats you have. The, the the less you're learning the less you're the less you're becoming good at what you do right mm-hmm. the, the, you're not quite as good at your craft so to speak right and okay. so if you're doing it part time you're just not getting the at bats and so you're just not getting the experience I don't think you need to to, to be good at it you know mm-hmm.
0: okay so here's a question that a lot of agents out there are they're they're turning up their volume right now mm-hmm. to listen to this um, or down you, or, or down <laughs> they don't want to hear it <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> when when you talk to your clients your buyer mm-hmm. clients do they ever spill the tea on the agents? What do agents do that just tick off buyers?
2: Yeah, I think right now, especially <laughs> it comes back to that responsiveness thing where they, uh, you know, I mean, buyers are really anxious. They're always coming in, especially first time home homebuyers, um, people that are really internet driven, you know, they're getting on Zillow. They're, they're doing a lot of this research themselves. And so they're seeing a lot of these properties sometimes before their agent even knows about them. And um and you know they're anxious to get an offer and they're anxious to get an offer accepted and they want feedback immediately right mm-hmm. and so when they get delays like that they start to get anxious you know if they're you know they're, they they want to write an offer now and they can't get an offer in or their agent delayed and the house got swooped up in the time frame that they were you know taking to get you know uh, you know back from kids gymnastics thing or you know whatever they were doing um, you know that kind of stuff is is probably the thing and then communication through the process so through the transaction if they're not. Uh, kind of staying in communication, they start to feel lost. And I think a lot of buyers mm-hmm. start to feel like they're doing all the work themselves. That's kind of a thing I hear a lot okay. is that, you know, it's like, oh, so-and-so was, you know, great initially when we first called them and got us right in and, you know, explained a lot. And then they just kind of drifted off. And we feel like we've been doing a lot of the communication with uh, the seller's agent ourselves or, you know, that kind of mm-hmm. thing. And um, I mean, it's not always warranted. Yeah. You know, you have people that, um, that, that get a little anxious and kind of jump ahead of the process, but um, that's kind of the big thing I, I hear, you know, a lot.
0: So it sounds like buyers uh, are are uncomfortable with the quiet periods in a transaction. And mm-hmm. if the agent isn't talking to them, they think the agent isn't doing anything, even if the agent is doing things behind the scenes that right. the buyer is not <clears> even aware <throat> of.
2: Right, right. They're just not getting – they're not checking in with them. And I'd say the other thing is process, you know, in terms of um, – You know, one of the biggest reasons that agents lose deals, um, and it always kind of amazes me, is when somebody comes in and, you know, I'll have somebody come in and they've been working with, um, so they've been working with Adam, for example, for like two months, right? And Adam's been driving all over town, showing him a million properties, spending hours and hours and hours with him. And then they go and make an offer with another agent. and I, That I, I never happens. Say, yeah. <laughs> yeah, out of the blue. And so they'll come in. I'm <laughs> like, hey, uh, you know what? And it's super awkward for me, too. Yeah. It's always a great conversation because, you know, Adam will have referred the deal to me. And now I'm like, oh, what's going on? What happened? It was like, Adam, do something crazy? And mm-hmm. it's like, oh, no, I just saw the sign out front. I thought I had to make an offer, you know, with that, they with that agent. Right? And they just didn't yep. know. And so. Mm-hmm. You know that conversation didn't happen up front, and I guess it's maybe an uncomfortable conversation initially with the agents. I don't know what that is, but to be able to say, "Hey, uh, this is how this relationship works. This is how the real realtor process works." You know, a lot of a lot of times people don't know. I would love to work for you, yeah. but I am yeah. working for free <laughs> right.
0: until we get to right. closing. <laughs> well, and I think, you know, it's not necessarily
2: yeah. their fault because they don't know, like they don't know with me, like that we work on commission, that we don't get paid um, unless, you know, a deal closes with us. They don't know that. Right. So they don't mm-hmm. have any, they don't have any clue. And so they may didn't do it on purpose, but, um, but you lost them just simply because the process didn't okay. get disclosed up front. And that, that kind of goes back to the processes, right? Not having mm-hmm. the processes in place with your initial presentation mm-hmm. so that they understand that to, to eliminate that, that threat.
0: Okay, so flip side of this same question Is there something that realtors do across the board that just grinds your gears as? The loan officer?
2: Uh, where do I start?
0: <laughs>
2: How much time do we have with this podcast? Um, all, all my friends at, you know, at Hills Bank are kind of like, get them, get them. Uh, uh, but uh, yeah, no, there's, I mean, there's always things, you know, but it, um, I, I think it's kind of some of the same things for us. It's it's kind of the communication piece, you know, and, uh, you know, a lot, of, a lot of the realtors, I'm pretty fortunate to work with a group of realtors. The realtors that I work with, Emily, you're one of them, you know, the group of realtors that I work a lot with, I tend to work a lot with, kind of recognize. The value in having a a mortgage loan officer as a partner, right? We're not just like a transactional person that you just kind of like get your buyer off to. There's a lot of realtors that are Mm -hmm. like that, where they're just kind of like, I'm going to stay out of the financing. You just go find your loan. It's none of my business, right? Um, You know, whereas you've got other agents that Kind of see us as a partner and kind of see the importance of us both working together. I want you to
0: answer my text messages. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah,
2: that too. You know, (laughs) back and forth communication. It goes, and it's a two way street. It's not just the loan officer kind of talking to the realtor, but also. The realtor kind of communicating like calling us and asking um you know how to, you know how best to write the purchase agreement things like that right mm-hmm. um so you get a lot of stuff that uh, that gets into purchase agreements that isn't right up front then we have to go back and change it that always leaves a bad taste in in people's mouths anytime you're having mm-hmm. to change something like why are we changing this like mm-hmm. i thought why wouldn't why wouldn't this be right to begin with right mm-hmm. um and so kind of recognizing those things making sure things get done right like up front and and understanding what's going on behind the scenes with the financing because if the financing falls apart at the end of the day, like something goes wrong and, uh, you know, I can't really blame my team. And likewise, you can't really blame, you know, your loan officer to your client because the client sees you. You're the person that sent them to the loan officer. Right. And right, so, right. you know, kind of recognizing that, and recognizing the value that it adds to your business, you know, is, is kind of key. And so a lot of agents kind of don't do that. And then there ends up being lots of miscommunication. It kind of comes back down to that communication piece. you know.
0: So one thing for me as a professional, when I am referring another person to mm-hmm. a client, mm-hmm. I am sticking a gold star on my referral. So when I introduce you to a client, I've said, Pete is a rock star. Pete will take care of it. And I have a lot of trust in you Mm -hmm. because I know that you're going to live up to that. When I refer to somebody Mm -hmm. and they let me down, Right. I am incredibly yep. cautious if I'm ever putting them on my list again. Yeah,
2: That's weird. I never yeah. would have noticed that. Yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because they made me look bad. That's right. You yeah, know?
2: Absolutely. Don't yeah, make I, me yeah. look bad. Yeah. And, it's yeah. A two, and it goes the other way. It goes yeah. back the other way. You know, we depend, as loan officers, if you're going to be successful and you want to do high volume, right? Like, you you got to have that. And, you know, I, I, I always tell people, and they ask me, clients will ask me, why, why don't I work, why don't I just work with Rocket Mortgage? They called me, and I'm like, or, you know, so-and-so brokerage out of Colorado. I'm like, well... <laughs> The guy that's sitting in the call center in Colorado doesn't really care whether Emily's happy or not. I do. Right. Mm -hmm. So like my reputation depends on it. I'm not getting any more referrals from Emily or Adam if I'm if I'm dropping the ball on deals. Those guys don't. Right. Okay. Yeah.
0: Yeah. You don't want to get cut off.
2: Right. Right. Right.
0: Okay. um, So to become a high volume lender or a high Mm -hmm. volume agent, you're not just getting there willy nilly by accident. There are a lot of systems and processes that you have implemented in your life that you might not even realize, Mm -hmm. but they're things that just, it it greases the wheels, makes life run more smoothly. Can you share some of yours with us? Yes.
2: Again, we don't have enough time for them all, but um, <laughs> yeah, I've kind of just refined this. I've I've always been a, a fan of this uh, and and not um, <clears throat> not having like 9 million, like, you know, intricate things that I do. I really have, I've really kind of pared it down to, you know, a handful of things, you know, your presentation, right? Like I, I try to keep my presentation over the years and I've done this for 20 years. So 20 years of having just hundreds and hundreds of people every. Uh, every week into my or every uh, year into my office, those at bats, right? You start to you start to understand at a very intricate, kind of fine level. When you're talking to people, what what what's going to get the reaction that you want out of them, and you kind of refine that down to that to a presentation that works pretty much every time. And that's not to say you have to be a robot. I mm-hmm. mean, um, you have to you can't like ad lib a little bit and have fun with people. You certainly can, um, but it's kind of a script. I hate the word script, but it's it's sort of a script that works every time. I know that if I present the information in this way, and there'll be outliers, there'll be people that need special attention, but. For the ma- vast majority of people out there, that presentation is like going to be the same every time. And if I use that, mm-hmm. you know, my team, I've got a really good team behind me, right? And I put the team in place and we, d- we divide our, uh, our responsibilities. I, you know, I don't, I don't step on my assistant's toes. I don't do the things that I know she's good at, that I'm terrible at, okay. and she doesn't get involved in me. And I don't expect her to do my things, right? Like I don't put stuff on her that, that, that she shouldn't have on her. I've got two assistants mm-hmm. that kind of do two different things and we keep that separate. Um, uh, and that flows really good. I always, I always like to say, you know, one of the, one of the funnest things about my relationship with my assistants is we don't even talk. We don't really have to talk unless there's a problem. We'll powwow and we'll resolve the problem. But she and I don't really need to talk at all during and the day. you can
0: just feel her yeah, vibe she just knows. through the wall. <laughs> yeah,
2: she just knows what's doing. I know my job. I know my presentation. I turn it over to her. She takes over. If there's a problem, I trust her to let me know, you know, having trust in those assistants to mm-hmm. Um, take care of you and protect your reputation, because that's what she's doing. And she's protecting my reputation. I'm protecting hers and Green State's as a whole. Mm -hmm. And I kind of trust her to do that. And she's awesome at it. Um, You know, I wouldn't be able to do it without her. So when you talk about the volume that I do, it's not really me. It's the combination of the team and the organization as a whole and probably 30 other people behind the scenes, the underwriters, the processors, the closers. Um, All those people are working together. It's not just Pete Johnson, the magic loan officer, right? Um, um, oh, although little. I am a little bit, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, but, um, um, you know, that, that's what it is in tracking, you know, I mean, I, they make fun of me all the time at green state, you know, for my spreadsheets, I'm known as like the spreadsheet guy. For having so. a tracker. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: She, she doesn't yeah. have a tracker. i am giving her a hard time about it
2: all the time. I mean, yeah. you have
1: no sense of accountability if you
2: don't have
0: I, a tracker. I yep. track some things. I yeah. track where every client comes from, list to sales price ratio, mm-hmm. price point, how, how I we have no idea what is at any given
2: time. I mean, <laughs> you got to have tracks.
0: Well, I know yeah. my performance is good. Okay.
2: All right. Yeah. I, well, I, I remember- Not this good, though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I remember asking, I, I asked a, a high-performing loan officer, I could probably say her name, Tammy McGarry. She just retired. She was amazing. But she was. She always thought it was really funny because I always asked her, I'm like, I'm like, hey, Tammy, what are you going to do this much? She's like, I don't know. Uh, you know, whatever I do, you know? And I, I was yeah. always like- no, wrong answer. Right. <laughs> like, See, I agree with like, yeah, you. That's my mentality. Yeah. You gotta have
1: track.
0: I think I'm yeah. more on on Tammy's wavelength. I'm like, yeah. whatever yeah. comes my way, yeah. it comes my way. You know, and Tammy was yeah. was
2: one of the most successful loan officers that we've ever had. And so, you know, so I think I think it doesn't matter. Like that, that's what works for me. I know Adam. I know I've seen your process are even way crazier than mine. Um, you know, whatever works for you, right? Like if it, mm-hmm. if it works for you and, and you can repeat it and it's successful, mm-hmm. you, I think stick with that. You know, I think you can do that. You know? But but that's what I'm hearing mm-hmm. from you. I mean, mm-hmm.
1: I mean, when I think of the attributes going back to the beginning here of what makes a successful loan officer a successful just salesperson or a realtor, it's structure and discipline. Mm-hmm. And if you have both of those things, especially for real estate mm-hmm. agents, I mean- yep. You are your own uh CEO, right? Your own sales right. manager, your own right. CFO, your own marketing manager. You know, right. you are everything. Yep. Nobody's mad at you if you don't go to work That's at right. o'clock, yeah. right? Yeah, and yeah. if you if you quit at three rather than work till six,
2: yep. no, no only nobody accountability cares. is yeah. yourself. Yeah. So
1: that discipline I think is the hardest for, for most yeah. agents. And then having structure is so tough. Yeah, and yeah. so, you know, to me those are three things. Yeah. You set goals then you, you, you outline that process to get that mm-hmm. goal. That's right. And then you set up a, a, a system of trackers mm-hmm. uh, to be accountable to make sure that you're actually accountable to, to yeah. achieving these goals, these benchmarks yeah. along the way. Yep. And, and I think those are the most important elements that, that make yeah. the, the successful from the non-successful. And, yep. and, that's, and it's all a mental thing. Yeah. You, know, you, have to, you, you know, we all are uncomfortable with change or things that we're not used to. Right. Um, and, and it takes time. But uh, you know, once achieved, yeah. what seemed like was tough right. seems easy and then you can go to the next step. Yeah. So for me, you know, it was like one year my goal was ten million in yep. sales. Yep. Well, I hit that. And the next year it's like, well, that was simple. Right. So next year's fifteen. Right. And then twenty. And right. then twenty five and then right. thirty. And then last year I did almost thirty five. Right. So I mean you know, if you go want to run a marathon, you don't go run the 10k right off the bat. You start, you know, you work up to it. You get to the 5k, you're like, well, next year I can do the 10k. Yep.
2: And- yeah, it's like they say in fo- you know, it's, they say in football all the time, it's kind of a cliche, right? But the little things done often, right? So those little things, you do those little things. I think you focus on those things and you get those steps in place and you see what's successful and those little things repeated over time you know, the, the, the big success is going to come to you, I think. And that's what I've learned just over 20 years. Cause I was like, when I was young and first getting in, I'm just like, well, I want to do this. I was just scared out of my mind. Right. I'm just like, oh my God, i you know, if I don't succeed at this or do this or get this goal or whatever, but, you know, then I just kind of like settle down you know, I had confidence in those little steps that were going to work if I just let them work. And that's how I, that's how I deal with it now. Like we're in this downturn now it's kind of mm-hmm. freaky, right? Everybody's like, oh my God. You know, and I should be like normally 10 years ago, I'd be having nervous breakdown right now. I'm right? yeah. like, oh, my God, it's over. It's finally over. Uh, we're never going to make any money ever again.
0: I'm going to be an <laughs> I'm driver. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then I'm kind of like, you know what?
2: I've got these processes in place. They're yeah. working. They're yeah. still working. You know, it, it will work itself out. And I've always said that I am the meanest boss I've ever worked for. Like, it's like, well, I, I, thought I, it was, yeah. I thought I was <laughs> Besides the Besides you, yeah, yeah. <laughs> But, you know, I, you, yeah, it's like, it's like what Adam says, you're no, there's nobody looking over your shoulder in what we do, yeah. really. Like, and that's true on our side. Even I work for a company, but there's nobody, I am the guy, you know, nobody's going to do it if I don't do it. And so, you know, that, that kind of presses you forward. But then also, I think the successes are much more enjoyable too, because you know that you kind of did it with the help of your team, obviously. But, you know, it was you that did it. It wasn't some boss standing over your shoulder, you know, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. So yeah. it sounds
0: well, like a common thread between all yeah, three of yeah. us is, each one of us are really self-drivers right, in our right. own way. And you have to find a way to to take that self-driven motivation, whether discipline it's... Discipline and structure.
1: Yeah. 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 But, but, you know, you were you were talking quite a bit about uh, how routines set you free. Yeah, You know, yeah, like yeah. how doing the same thing, and it takes time, but, you know, being disorganized is unhappiness. Right, you right. You know, mm-hmm. discipline is happiness. Yeah. And, you know, um, uh, if you can find what tasks you do that are mundane and relatively repetitive, yep. you can, you can take those out. And so right. one thing that amazes me about you is uh, cause I'm big into this too. It mm. It is scripts. Yeah, I use yeah, scripts yeah. all the time. Yep. I use scripts for quality control. Right. So that one client isn't treated different than the other yeah. client, yep. but also just from a time management yes. point, yep. you know, I mean, you, we get a lot of agents, right? Like mm-hmm. our mm. clients. So I had roughly, I don't know, 65 sales last year. You're, you're somewhere around that too. But you, how mm-hmm. many people apply for a loan in a year? Thousands, probably. Thousands, I, t-
2: thousands. I tried to, yeah, I tried to look this up, and it's probably fifteen hundred. It's impossible to to for you year. to do a custom yeah. email to all of them. Yeah, it's you not have to, to have yeah. in, in the,
1: <laughs> the email from yeah, yeah. Custom, from from application at nine a.m. and the application at ten a.m. Yeah. It's not much different right. in substance. Yeah, yeah. So, so having a script, you could still yeah. personalize it. But yeah. having a basis for, but then what is the email after they get the commitment letter, after an accepted offer, after, right. you know, having that all set up. Yep. Yeah. Um,
2: and then it and, saves time. It right. allows
1: you to have higher volume.
2: Yeah, exactly. And then having mechanisms in place for when people, you know, are falling out of you. So you have the automated systems when things are going well, the automated systems are working great. But it's when things go badly, having a system for catching those people and making sure that you get back in the loop personally and get involved. But those are going to be few and far between. And those scripts allow you to move through, um, you know, move through volume and and say the time because if I Mm -hmm. if I did something differently with every client I was trying to reinvent the wheel on every client the amount of time wasted is just astronomical you just you wouldn't get you wouldn't get anywhere with it you know and so I I try to tell people that too and I get some resistance from some you know like younger loan officers like well that's seems kind of impersonal or this or that and I'm like it it is, but it is, and it's actually achieving what they need. They need they need that, and I know that this gives them what they need, and I know that it's going to return, come back to me. And they just
1: right. want you to touch base. They do. They don't want yeah. you to ignore yeah. them. Just yeah. Yeah. even what yeah. seems like a small task to us. Yeah. They, they don't understand yeah. the process.
2: Yeah, and ninety five percent of the people are going to fit in that system well. You're going to have that five percent outliers, and those are the people like you're you're going to have to spend time with, which is okay. You know, you're going to have those people that just need that extra attention. And that's okay. You know, you have the time for it, you know, cause you followed your scripts, you followed your processes, you'll have time to do those things, you know, and, and hopefully have some kind of a life too. <laughs>
0: okay.
2: Work-life balance. It's important. Yeah.
0: Do you want to chat a little bit about what you think the 2023 market is going to be like? What are you seeing? You've mentioned to mm-hmm. me before mm-hmm. that, uh, you think lenders, uh, they they start seeing things maybe 3 to 4 weeks yeah. before agents start seeing it. Yeah. So your your application volume is mm-hmm. up?
2: Yeah, it's actually yeah. been really good. I mean, I you know, in in December when we were, you know, we talked a little bit before we started here about kind of some of our products were on suspend, were suspended and it was looking pretty dreary there for a while. It was this is kind of an unprecedented thing. I mean, this is my third probably crazy mortgage downturn. I mean, I I was lending in '08. Um, uh, and you know, this is probably the worst it's been since then, but I would say that it all has also kind of bounced, bounced back really fast. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's it's swinging back the other way. Yeah. And so the rates have dropped really substantially, which has helped. And then you know, our um, pre-approval, pre-approvals have gone way up for me, at least in the last few weeks, especially. And they tend to be quality buyers too. So I find, I'm finding that the people that are coming in are qualified and they're motivated, you know? So inventory is still the the problem. Yeah. And that's what I hear from agents too, is that the, and and builders, you know, builders call me every, every spring and, um and, and, you know, late fall when they're trying to decide how many holes to put in the ground, how many houses to start. And, and, you know, and, and we're still going to, you know, we're still going to, I think, be lacking inventory um, in this market, which will mm-hmm. which will make things interesting for sure. But, you know, at least we have the buyers and, you know, I, I think it's going to work out okay. Is it going to be 2021 and 2020? Probably not. Yeah. Um, But that's okay. You know, okay. And not everything can be boom, right? So.
0: In talking to those buyers, do you feel like the, the general buyer population has been traumatized over the last two years or so? Or do they think that the rules of the game is yeah. going to be drastically different this year. What what's the attitude yeah? You're I, I from think them? there's
2: some of that. I mean, they're definitely paying attention to like national media and stuff like that. They're hearing that a little bit, but I don't. Mm-hmm. I, I think as real estate like professionals, as mortgage professionals, we we're so we're so absorbed, you know, reading every article and kind of reading every tip and talking to people. Like I think we kind of think it's a bigger deal in the consumer's mind than the consumer's mind really does. I and mean, when they come in, they've mm-hmm. they maybe heard a few things. I'm like, I, you know, I'll, I'll sit down and talk about rates. You've heard rates are a little higher, right? I'm just like waiting for them to go. Yeah. And then they're like, oh, yeah, we, yeah. yeah, something about that. I don't remember exactly what. And then you kind of like, oh, okay, great. All right. You know, and then I think there is a shock, especially initially after COVID when rates, you know, went from being like, you know, 2% to, you know, 5 or 6% and then rapidly up to 7%. I think there was some shock in there for several months. But now that rates have been in the sixes and sevens and they've fallen back down, it's funny how quick people forget. Right. And then they come back in my office like, oh, thank God, only five and a quarter. Thank God. You know, and it's like, it's like, it's like, really? It's like, that's it's awesome. A, it's yeah. All relative. Yeah. <laughs> yeah they, they forget. People forget quick. They get readjusted quick. You know, so I, I don't think it's going to be as big of a problem as even I thought it would be, you know, even mm-hmm. I thought it was going to be a big problem before. And I don't think it's going to be quite as bad. You know, again, it's not going to be as busy, but I, I don't think it's going to be quite as devastating as we thought it might it might be. So,
0: Okay. yeah. No, no Uber Eats for you. <laughs>
2: yeah.
0: <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, Pete, thanks so much for joining yeah. Adam and I here yeah. on the podcast. And yeah. um, we'd love to have you back again. Yeah. So there is always a lot to talk about when it comes to the interplay between realtors yep. and lenders and how we make it all work
2: yeah always never ends so yeah thanks so much guys i really appreciate it thanks for the opportunity thanks for coming you bet
0: all right you heard it here on hear this